keeping you up to date on the world of social media. Industry experts, innovators, creators, storytellers, and the latest social media tools, tips, and tactics. This is Social Media News Live. Hello, folks. Welcome to another edition of Social Media News Live. I'm Jeff C., and you're not. And I'm Connor Brown, and this is the show that keeps you up to date on what's happening in the world of social media and more. Have you ever wondered how to transform the typical sales process into something truly impactful? Maybe you're curious about strategies that make selling feel genuine and not just you know, another transaction. Or maybe you're eager to elevate your sales approach to connect deeply with your clients. Now, if you've thought about any of those things, you are in for a treat today. We have are excited to, uh, we are excited to host a guest, I'm so excited, to has mastered the art of authentic selling. She's a pro in creating sales strategies that resonate with both sellers and buyers, turning the dreaded sales call into an opportunity for genuine connection. Alicia Barr will be sharing her journey, her strategies, and her top advice for making sales feel less like a chore and more like a meaningful interaction. So sit back, clear your schedule, clear your mind, and get ready for this week's episode of Social Media News Live. Alicia, how are you doing today? I'm doing so, so good. I'm really excited to be here, and I'm really glad that I met you at PodFest. Yes, that's great. And so I, I was have been so much fun diving into Alicia. Uh, and sh if you don't know her, you really should. You need to go check out her podcast. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit later. But Alicia Bear Barr is a sales strategist, speaker, best-selling author, and founder of the Black Sheep Sales Method. Because if it's a fit, it's a fact, and there's no selling involved. She has 15 years of experience customizing sales strategies to your personality, audience and service because sales is not a one size fits all and her methods empower business owners to effortlessly effortlessly convert up to 80% of their leads without pressure pitching or pretending to be someone else. She sold 50 million plus in services herself and has helped others sell over 17 million over the last four years alone with her proven personalized approach. Alicia, once again, thank you for being on the show after just that brief intro that Katie Brinkley did uh, with us, but I'm so, so glad that you're here. Me too, Jeff. Thank you for, I trust Katie implicitly. So well, I knew yes. you were great, good peoples. Oh, well, thank you. So <laughs> I also want to do a big shout out to our friends who help sponsor the show. They're the ones that make it all possible. It's our friends at Ecamm. You can find out more about them. If you go to ecamm.com forward slash Jeff, got a brand spanking new landing page. And if you use the code Jeff 15, you'll save 15% off your first purchase. Love the group, love Ecamm, incredible software. That's what we're using to stream this show. So go check them out. Ecamm.com forward slash Jeff. All right, let's dive into this first section, uh, Connor, because I know you've got questions as well, but um, I want to talk about firstly, like selling with authenticity. I'm going to screw up that word many times during the show today. Uh, if you've watched my show, you know I struggle with that word for some reason. But uh, Alicia, I want you to share the Genesis story of like the black sheep sales method and, and what that is and how you came up with it. Yeah, so I was always um, what you would call a natural at sales. I sold in corporate, I sold digital marketing for you know 10 years. And whenever you meet anybody who is natural at selling, meaning they didn't take sales training, but they seem to close a lot of people, mm -hmm. you'll ask them, hey, um, like, how do you how do you sell? And they'll say, well, I don't really sell. 
And it's like, well, what, what the hell does that mean? You know? And so over the last five years of having my sales specific business, I have given words to this thing that people who are natural at sales do. And the reason that they say that they're not really selling is that they're fitting. Mm. And that means telling someone when they're not a fit. So they'll be like, actually, you don't need this, uh, this thing with all the bells and whistles, because you're not going to use that stuff. So I would go for like this less expensive one and it'll save you some money or you're not, you actually don't need this. You need this other thing. I would go over here and it makes them say that they're not selling. But when somebody is a fit for the thing that they're selling, they're also like super passionate about it because it's true. Like this would be a really big benefit for you. So just the fact that they have the other person's best interest in mind, when they tell someone you, you actually don't need this thing or you don't need the higher package, it makes somebody trust them more and come back and refer people. And so there's a way to do this that just feels like a natural conversation and not like psychological tricks and manipulation and <laughs> right. stuff and whatever. So um, I put words and a formula to it. And if you're asking about like black sheep, I've had an evolution to come to, are you asking about black, the name black well, sheep? Well, just, just because this this uh, Facebook user, I'm not sure who it is, but uh, it's in a group that they say, are black sheeps good at sales? And I thought that was really important of what you were talking about. So yeah, why black sheep? Yeah, so I always was trying to figure out my messaging, right? Business is an evolution and there's lots of iterations. And I started out by calling it subtle selling, which doesn't quite hit. And then I focused on selling for introverts. Um, but not everybody identifies as an introvert, even if they are, because they think it's about being shy or extroverted mm -hmm. and or and or like not shy. And it's not about that. And then I had the matchmaker sales method. And I've always that isn't quite banging either. So I've always been a black sheep in my family and in the world. Uh, <laughs> and I was talking to my clients about this, like, yeah. I've always been a black sheep in my family and I'm just really tired of there being a negative association with it. And um, they were like, yeah, me too. And then the second client that week I was telling about this and they were like, yeah, I'm the black sheep in my family too. And then the third client that week was like, I'm the black sheep in my family too. And I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> There's nothing here. I think that this is the pattern that I've been looking for. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's this idea that it's this person who has tried to do things the way that a mainstream expert tells them to do it, and they just don't get the same results. And so they do something differently to get the same result. And for some reason, that really pisses people off. Mm. Um, and they can just be or have a different, be different, have a think different, have a different approach. And to the question, are they good at sales? They are because they're a pattern interrupt. So when you say like selling with authenticity, there's something that people expect from somebody selling them something. They expect them to be extroverted and smooth and charming. And so you're automatically kind of not trusting that person when they act like that because you're like, this person is totally selling me. Right. Um, or is like such a salesperson, right? Mm -hmm. Like if somebody's quiet or awkward or something, you you trust them more. So you can even say in the conversation, like, hey, I feel really awkward about sales, but I want to find out if I can help you. So I'm here. Let's let's talk about it. And it's just going to disarm the other person and and really take the pressure off of you. You don't need to pretend like you're anybody that you're not as long as you're just an expert 
at what you do. And of course, there's like deeper levels and guidelines and structure, but really people respond better to people who do not seem like a salesperson. Mm, That's a great point. And I think, I guess I never put my finger on it, but that's what you know, the, the sales that I've made is that way. Cause I never have liked, you know, sell the sizzle, not the steak and all, you know, all that, you know, the real pushy stuff. And I've just kind of come up with my own thing and I've never been able to one, feel good about it. I'm like, am I just lucky? But I'm seeing the things that you teach in my, the own, my own way that I sell. And so it's been great to get some validation that I'm not just, it's okay to be a black sheep, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love giving people permission to just do whatever feels good to them. And Mm -hmm. the only metrics that matter are, is it getting results? Then don't mess with it. And are you having a good time? So sometimes you're implementing something that's getting a result, but it's so draining and Mm -hmm. it feels terrible. Like these psychological tricks and stuff. So it doesn't matter then. You want to be having a good time and getting results. And I can't tell you how many people I see that are getting results and a sales expert will say, oh no, you're doing it all wrong and give them some other thing they're supposed to do that doesn't align with them and then their sales plummet. And it's like, why would you touch that? I just, yeah. So it's really about empathy and curiosity. Um, Mm -hmm. Those are the things we think about when you're buying, that's what you wanna feel is somebody really curious about you and who understands your situation and makes you feel seen and heard because it's so rare to feel that way. And um, black sheep are the people who innovate and move things forward. That's how progress is made. Anybody who's ever made an impact in this world had an idea or approach that was different and people told them it was scary and wrong and to sit down and be quiet and thank God they didn't Mm -hmm. because for all of our benefit, things moved forward. And I I hope that one of the things that I'm pretty passionate about is, is please think differently. Please show up with your weird self and it inspires genius in other people and their ability to show up differently. And everybody thinks of something different because they're no longer hiding or trying to force themselves to fit in whatever mainstream says is quote unquote normal. And in sales, especially like you don't want to be like everybody else just because everybody has a horrible association with the typical mainstream salesperson. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think we all have a a story we can share about, you know, a bad sales experience or or something like that. And that think different mentality that was one heck of a a marketing campaign, too, that clearly resonated with a lot of people. Um, I know Jeff doesn't consider himself the black sheep of the family. He actually considers himself um, that pinkish hue that you accidentally- I'm the hairy, I'm the hairy sheep of the family. Oh, I was gonna say when you accidentally put a piece of red clothing in the whites and they all come in that that pinkish hue, that's kind of you. Just a little- Because I would do the little, something's wrong. Yeah, something's wrong with this guy. That's beautiful. Yeah. I love that. But embracing it, right? You yeah. got to embrace it. And I, I think so much of, of the sales mentality is is this notion of bad salesmanships that we have in our in our our heads, whether it's something we've experienced or, or seen out in the world, that trope of the, the sleazy used car salesman. And I think that that kind of resonates a lot with especially solopreneurs and small business owners who feel icky or or cringeworthy when it comes to actually selling you know the kids are all saying that's the ick right that's what right. the kids are saying. Yeah. right it's true because at its root we're all salespeople. we have to sell but it can still come off as icky and, and cringeworthy and so 
how do you approach that that common fear that so many have um, and help them kind of overcome that that icky mentality? Yeah. So it's super empowering for people when they understand that it's just about if somebody is a fit. So having criteria for who gets really good results with you and criteria for who does not get good results with you and actively repelling those people and letting somebody know who that person is. So traditional mainstream sales is everybody is a yes, right? As long as they have a working credit card, every sales strategy is designed to get somebody to say yes. And there's not an opportunity for them to say no. So if you look back at your clients, you can see, okay, when they didn't need results instantly, they were happy with the results. When they had a team member in place to help them, they got better results. You know, when they had at least two hours of time a week. And you can ask these questions and let someone know, oh, great, your expectations and your timeline and your goals all line up with what I do. You're not this person who needs results in 30 days. You're not this person who's doing everything on your own and so you need me to do it all for you. Uh, so I don't see any reason we can't get the results and like, let's do this. And it becomes very easy to say like, oh, you're not actually, you're not a fit. This is not where you are in your business. You need someone who's done for you. Let me point you to some, some recommendations. And it's not like a judgment or like if somebody values price more than quality, like there's no judgment. I'm not the cheapest. There is someone who's the cheapest and you should go find that person. And so it really helps a lot that that you can have the confidence in saying, okay, there's nothing about this that, that indicates that I wouldn't be able to get you what you're looking for. And so I'm excited because mm-hmm. we can do this together. Oh, that's a great, that's a good point. And I wanted to bring up some, some comments here real quick. Gary Stockton t- was talking about, when we were talking about cringy sales. He says, when they asked me to jump on a 15 minute call and I run like, hell, that's what, so I have the same feeling. Cause I get a lot of uh, people want me to try their software and they're like, Hey, let's jump on. I'm like, you don't understand that that 15 minutes usually goes into 45 and then, yeah. you know, and then I'm stuck there and why don't you just let me give me access to your, your yep. software. And if I like it, then we can do a call, but I don't want to have you to explain it to me for and all anyway. So I feel your pain uh, there, Gary. And then Jim has this great question. He goes, um, I'm keep thinking that I need to be the cheerleader for my product or the potential customer won't think I'm excited. So why should he feel that way too? And then I feel like I'm overselling. So that kind of leads into my, my next question was you talk a lot about uh, this authoritative empathy in sales and how it contrasts with, you know, the other traditional sales uh, techniques that focus on highlighting the pain points and all that kind of stuff. Can you kind of go into his question there and how can, you know, one, he shouldn't feel guilty for what he's doing, what Jim is doing, but also maybe he could use some of that authoritative empathy that you talk about, like on your podcast and your blog. And uh, I've never heard it before, but I really like it. Yeah. So it sounds like what Jim's experiencing is he feels like he's convincing somebody Mm -hmm. like he's excited and he's trying to tell somebody all the reasons that it's amazing. And when you're convincing somebody, which is what people associate with selling, that's why they don't like the word selling, because it feels like I have to convince. And if you convince, you're not going to sell shit. So the um, thing you need to do instead is get curious. So you want to ask questions about the things you're excited about. So let's say your software, it's so exciting that it, I don't know, 
give me something exciting about software. It messages, it text messages, people gifts. There you go. That's good. Okay. So um, you can ask, you know, have you ever received gifts in your text message? Do they make you laugh? How do they make you feel? It's more authentic, right? It's a deeper connection. That's why we have that in our software. So you can kind of use curiosity to understand if that's something that's important to other person. And then they're kind of selling themselves because it's a fit. They love gifts. So they're a good fit for your software in that way. Authoritative empathy is really like understanding somebody's situation and like saying, I see that. I I see that it's difficult that in text messages, you can't send short videos and you got to open it up on your phone and you can't do it from your software. And you're just like spending all this time spinning your wheels, Mm -hmm. um, just doing manual things. And so that's why we've implemented the the, um, ability to do that in the desktop software. So you don't have to be switching in between devices and it makes a big difference. So it's kind of like the the foundational concept of of authoritative empathy is like, I understand where you are and you're gonna get to the other side. Now now we're together, so it's gonna be Mm -hmm. great. Let's go. Right, so it's not so so much uh, pushing your product, like here's what it does. It does this, this, and this. It's more like, hey, I see your, I see. I've had that same struggle too, and that's why I created this thing. And then, you know, here's how we can work together, kind of thing, without being so pushy, right? Yeah, it's a little like feel felt found. I don't know if you've heard of that, which is kind of what you were saying. But feel felt found. Have you ever heard that before? I'm, there's so many jokes that I want to say there, but I'm not going to. So, yes, I have heard of it. It's I understand how you feel. And this is what we found works, okay. right? Yeah. So it does feel like selling when you do it like that. Um, it's a similar concept, but you really just want to like offer. It's like, it's more like hope selling is what I say. So like mm-hmm. I acknowledge your pain and where you're coming from. And I've been there and it's really annoying. Or maybe I haven't been there, but I've heard about it a lot. And this is what sucks about it. And the focus is going to be on where you're going to be on the other side of this. So it's not so much like this is what we found. It's more like it makes a big difference when you can just do everything from the software on your desktop. Um, mm. It's kind of like an insight instead of like, this is what we found and this is what we do. Cause when you say that it feels like selling. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. It's a it's kind of nuanced. I don't know. Did that make no, sense? I, yeah. It's, it's, it's basically not sell, selling. You're not trying to trick people. You're not trying to manipulate them, but it's, it, it comes from that empathy that, listen, I've been there or, you know, I, I feel your pain. This is, this can help you. And why I can help you? Cause I believe in it. And this is, you know, that kind of feeling, I guess what you're talking about. Yeah. We're going to get to the other side of it. And I mean, it's subtle. It, this is actually pitch weaving. Mm-hmm. So oh, we're getting to that next. Yeah. Yeah. When I work with clients, like there is a weekly call where we do reverse role playing and everybody can sort of practice this skill. So it becomes more of a reflex instead of something you have to think about, mm-hmm. but it's actually what you already do in natural conversations any, anyway. Right. Um, when you care about the other person, really it's funny. Good sales is actually just caring about the other person. <laughs> That's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. I think to, to Jim's point, you know, kind of being a cheerleader for your own product. So often we put a price out in the world and, and for whatever we're, if it's a product or a service that, that we're selling and we almost feel 
no pun intended, but sheepish about it, right? We're kind of like, oh boy, I don't know. Am I good enough? Is this right? But that price is so important because one, you don't want to undervalue yourself and two, you attract the ideal client, right? So not just the client that can afford that rate, but the client that's going to benefit the most from your product or service and one that you can help, as you say, Alicia, get to the other side with. So when it comes to that, it's a huge question, but but how do you help, or, or rather, how should solopreneurs and small business owners approach, approach that pricing question, just to ensure that they're not undervaluing themselves, but that they're also attracting the ideal client? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, first of all, never call it a price. It's an investment. Yeah. And it's true. It. It's an investment. And you want to focus on the result of that investment. So what what's the value of that result to somebody? And you also want to consider a lot of people get twisted by, oh, it takes me this many hours to do it. So that's how I'm going to pre- like price it. And it's like, going to punish somebody for being more efficient. Like, why would you do that? It doesn't matter how quickly you do something as long as you're getting the result. And how long would it take the other person to do that mm-hmm. without your expertise? So those are the factors that are really important whenever you're thinking about what price to set. And then when you're talking to somebody, understanding if they're going to get the result from their investment that you provide. So if they are, then it's extremely valuable. So you're not selling software, right? You're selling the ability to shorten sales cycles. Mm-hmm. Know what I mean? So yeah. a lot of people will sell the deliverables and like no one cares about the deliverables or they'll sell the process. And, and it's really like, what's the outcome of the process? So like somebody who heals people. Yeah, that sounds great. What's the result of the healing? They're no longer triggered in any situations. So that sounds way better, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Those are, that's a great, those are great. Uh, point. By the way, we've got um, some, some of your fan clubs here. Katie Brinkley says, love this so much. Alicia's tips are gold. And then we also have Mackenzie saying great sales is really just caring about the other person. Yes. Uh, she's dropping a ton of knowledge on the show today. Thank you for, yeah. for quoting that. That's, that's awesome. Um, one of the things that I want to talk to, and I really liked it, and you had a, an entire episode on your podcast um, about this topic that you mentioned before, and it's this this concept called pitch weaving. So how does this concept of pitch working work in practice? And can you like provide an example of, you know, how this technique has, you know, changed the outcome of sales conversions? Yeah. So I'll explain first, like what the typical structure of a sales conversation is Mm -hmm. and, and what my experience is with what that leaves on the table and like why pitch weaving is more effective for those reasons. Usually it's Q and a Q and a, and it feels a little bit like uh, an interrogation (laughs) because you're just like going to the next question. Right. And somebody's like, when am I, when am I going to be able to talk? And then you're like, one person's talking for 10 minutes And the other person's kind of zoning out because you're the only person talking for a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. So, and also when somebody like goes into the pitch, are you leaning in and hanging on every word or are you kind of like, okay, here's the pitch. I'm going to take it with a great, you have a guard up. Right. So pitch weaving is weaving in the pitch during the discovery section 
or the question and answer section of the conversation. And it takes all the heavy lifting off of the quote unquote pitch part. Because a lot of times when you do it that way, where you're like interrogation, pitch, and then there's like all this work to do at the end um, because they have objections, they've got questions, they got all kinds of stuff, right? So if you're able to do this during the discovery question, somebody's mind is more open, first of all, and it's also going to reinforce what it is you do without having to like, like you're going to be able to say it multiple times. So how it works is empathy and an insight that shows your expertise. Mm -hmm. So for example, um, if somebody, let's talk about Katie Brinkley. Okay. Mm -hmm. She does done for you social media. And she's going to ask somebody, you know, have you ever done social media before? And what was your experience? And they're like, well, I was just on it constantly and I didn't get any leads and I got lots of engagement, but it didn't equal anything in my bank account. And she's like, yeah, it's really frustrating when you're putting a ton of time into something that doesn't equal money. It's like, why am I doing this? Right. right. And the issue is usually that you're focusing your um, messaging isn't quite right. So you need a message that's going to speak to where somebody is and offer them a solution for where they want to go. So like that just shows the, the implication is that Katie knows how to do that. Right. And it gives somebody an insight into why, even though they put all this time in, it's not working. It's because they weren't doing the right thing. So they're able to understand where they are more. And the more you weave this kind of stuff in the conversation and you can like go to the next question. So for example, she'd say like, that's really frustrating when you put in all this time and you're not getting anything from it except engagement. Um, and a lot of times the issue is that is your messaging, you know, do you feel like you have messaging that attracts your ideal client? And so it's a converse, it feels like a conversation right. where somebody gets feedback on their answer instead of just like going to the next question, which is like, you know, what's your experience with social media in the past? And they explain all this stuff. And then you say, well, you know, do you feel like you have messaging that attracts your ideal client? And then you go to the next question and then you go to the next, you know what I mean? So yeah. if you weave it in by the time she gets to the end and it's like the thing that's really different about us is the messaging that we use to attract a client allows us to only post four times in order to get inbound leads. That's all you need four mm -hmm. times a month or, you know, uh, right. every two weeks or whatever. So somebody's already heard and, and felt that this person is an expert and it, it really just takes a lot of heavy lifting off the end of the conversation. <laughs> so I, I want to, and I've thought about this for a while and, and I think maybe this pitch weaving thing would work because we've all gone to webinars, right? And that's it, basically there's, it's a sales process, right? And we know at the end, they're going to give some value. And then at the end, it's going to be 20, 30 minutes of pitching. Why this is going to happen. And the, my thought is, why don't you do this pitch weaving thing throughout the entire webinar where you're, it's not really salesy, you're providing value. And maybe you have like, hey, if at the end, like, hey, go here, if this has been valued, da, 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 here's, you can buy the, whatever. Would that work with, I mean, cause I'm thinking that, I mean, it's such, it's a formula that everybody uses. They, they provide value and then they pitch for this last 30 minutes. And I mean, I always sign off. I'm like, I know what, I mean, you could, you know, that you've been in enough of them, you know, it's coming and here it is. They're done providing yeah. value. It's all sales. Would that be, would your pitch weaving be a thing? Because I know there's a lot of social people, media people here and a lot of people who use webinars and that sort of things to sell their product. Would that be a valuable thing to put in 
a webinar and kind of throw things on its head? I mean, I am not a webinar expert, Mm -hmm. but I don't see why not. So pitch weaving, as people start to master it, they're like doing it all the time in their life and they're realizing that they're doing it and they're getting better results because of it, because you're able to just basically share your expertise in a way that implies that you can do the thing that somebody needs you to do without saying, well, that's why we do it, blah, blah, blah. So in a webinar, you could definitely, I don't see why it wouldn't work to offer the value and then explain, you know, a client story and how that applies Mm -hmm. to something that they did just so you can exemplify um, the value that you're offering. And, you know, I I think you should always just kind of be sharing insight. It's not selling. It's really sharing insights that help someone understand the landscape of what is actually going on, not your pain and how you're gonna like suffer and languish in it if you don't get a solution. Cause that's usually what a sales strategy is about is like, let's talk about how horrible it's been and how horrible it's gonna be if this continues, which is not helpful for understanding how I'm in the situation I'm in and what I need to do to get out of it, like actually do. Right. So I, and it kind of goes to my thing, like um, we, they're the sponsor of the show, Ecamm. That I used Ecamm way before they were a sponsor of the show. I love them and I have no problem talking about them because I love them and it's been a great partnership, but it's, it's very, or I think it's very organic. And I tell people, you know, they made me a landing page, ecamm.com forward slash Jeff. And I hope people use it because yeah, it helps me out, but I love the company. I love their product. I love everything about it. And so, and I want to share that with people who watch the show and my friends and all that kind of thing. So, um, is there any tricks or, um, I don't know, I know, I get this question all the time. You've got Ecamm. You're so very blessed. You're awesome. I want something like that. Is there a way that you can attract those kind of companies to you that you know of, uh, oh, Alicia? To sponsor a podcast? Yeah, well, not, well, sponsors or it's actually, you're making a sale, but it's so organic because you love the product. You know, you talk about them yeah. all the time. Do you, I mean, do you reach out? Is there a way that you reach out to those? Do you use pitch weaving when you're reaching out to maybe those sponsors or something like so- that? Cold outreach is a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, Really, you always want to start with value. So I think if you're already naturally using a product and you've got a big ass audience and you're like, I'd like to just mention it more. I mean, whenever I suggest a product where I get a commission, I'm like, hey, radical transparency. I get a commission, but I'm not going to recommend something that I don't love. And here's why I love it. So, um, you know, just letting someone know the situation so that they can make the best choice in their best interests. For sponsorships, that's something that I used to do a lot. And it's about having a unique format for it. So a lot of people Mm -hmm. just do this like, oh, we're sponsored by, but what if you had something that naturally tied in? So like, give us your best video that sucks and we're gonna give away a free Ecamm um, to the suckiest video or, you know, like (laughs) something like that where it's just more fun Mm -hmm. while showing off the value of the product. I think that that stuff, is is more is going to pique a company's interest more. Mm, that's a great point. That's a great point. And and here's this is a great question. This is why I love Ecam and why we go live because I get so much uh, great questions from people in the audience. And so Ian says, I, I was a digital piano salesman in a music shop as a student. I sold more than all the full time staff. Easy to sell other people's stuff, but much more difficult to sell your own stuff. Why is that? Man, Ian spot on. It's a really good question. And I even experienced this, right? Um, When I used to sell digital marketing all the time, and actually I did just fine selling my own marketing. But when I started selling my sales strategy, I 
felt a little, ah, it's because your name's attached to it there. And you're somebody who has a lot of integrity and you are scared of overpromising. So you end up underselling. And instead you can, you're just, the, the thought process is usually like, well, I don't want to say they're going to get that result because there's these like weird variables or scenarios that could happen and da, 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 da. And instead just tell someone what those scenarios and variables are. I don't see this as an issue in your situation. So unless there's something that I don't know about, we should be able to get that result. You know, mm. do you, is there anything you're not sharing with me? Do, does that line up with you? And then you can feel really confident in getting the other person the result. So it's just that you're a little more closely at attached to the reputation that comes with the result. So you want to be sure that you're not saying something that isn't true and it ends up making you sound unconfident and unsure of yourself. Yeah. I love that. That's awesome. And I have like nine follow-up questions for Ian around <laughs> what a digital PL salesman is, but we'll save that for another show. <laughs> um, I, I think that's a great time to also kind of trans social media stuff because that's kind of nowadays a huge platform that we use to sell, right? To put our product out there, to let people know what we're offering. But it's also, you know, going back to the ick, it's a huge way to give off icky, right? I think there's some places people just don't want to get sold to. And and social media, as it's becoming more and more entertaining, is a place that the wrong sales message at the wrong sales time can be very, very intrusive. So what are kind of some of your top tips for, for using social media to create that sales funnel? Um, but more importantly, a sales funnel that feels genuine and, and can actually build trust with your audience. Yeah. So, I mean, marketing is definitely trial and error, right? <laughs> so you got to try different things and see what appeals to people. But one of the things that I found, one of the things that makes me a huge black sheep um, is I am not about volume. I'm not like there's this idea in sales that you build resilience through rejection and resilience is really important. And I think there are other ways to do it that aren't going to absolutely crush your confidence and make you feel like a desperate beggar yeah. um, because there are that that expense is too high to me for building resilience. Like go join a tough mutter or something, uh, <laughs> you know, so like if you need 25 or less clients to be really happy a year, there's no reason to do a mass volume approach and you will actually hurt your business by doing that. Yeah. So instead you want to target people with intentionality and let them know why you would love to work with them. And also it really helps when you say, this is who we're for and this is who we're not for. So for example, I talked to a bookkeeper and first of all, she was calling herself a bookkeeper and she wasn't. She was like, I keep getting these clients that just want $50 a month things. And I'm like, well, it's because you're calling yourself a bookkeeper. Yeah. And after talking to her, I'm like, oh, actually you are an outsourced finance department. So that has a lot more value. So a lot of times people are just saying their thing wrong. And then she doesn't want to work with somebody who needs it to be like this very um, not connected process, right? Or like that somebody needs to be in a suit or she's like, I'm not going to be, she was called like bohemian bookkeeping or something. <laughs> like, 
So it's like, look, if you want somebody who's going to be in a suit and have all of these like official check the box things, like Mm -hmm. that's not me. If you want somebody that's going to proactively look out for your stuff, that is me. And so somebody can read that who we're not for and, and choose in even harder knowing who they're talking about. Oh, I know that person. And that's not me. (laughs) I know exactly who she's talking about. And I'm glad that she wants to be a partner in my business instead of just, you know, some outsource offshore thing. Mm -hmm. So so that is a great, and so Katie has this comment. I want to bring this up because she says, I love this so much. It's being transparent and being a good listener. It helps you find the right uh, people that will become great clients. And that leads into Something, and we're talking about with this Bohemian bookkeeper, uh, what I was thinking about this, but the storytelling in your in your sales strategy, especially on social media, can you share like an effective way to incorporate it? I know that's kind of with the pitch weaving. There's a lot of storytelling that you're doing inside of that, but is there any other like things you need to hone in on? Um, I'm assuming listening is one of them, but uh, w- what else would you say would be good for storytelling with social media strategies? Yeah. The biggest thing that I do not see people do when they tell a story is when you talk about the before, you want to talk about the result that they were getting and the emotions associated with that result. Mm. And then you want to talk about when they change the after, the result of that and how they felt. So I actually just did a podcast episode that I'm pretty excited about airing where men have been told by society to be emotionally numb. Like they can pretty much only feel anger and anything else is like weakness. And as a result, a lot of times there's a lack of empathy there and they're not able to have deeper emotional relationships. So I was like, I want to talk about what it was like. He was a bodybuilding bro and now he's anti bro. And I was like, what results were you getting as a bodybuilding bro? And what results were you getting when you're anti bro? So that everybody can clearly see the Mm -hmm. difference. And I think a lot of times people tell stories without those elements in them, just like they sell deliverables instead of results. Yeah. I think, yeah. yeah. So I would say when you're storytelling, there's a fine line between being manipulative and, or, and salesy and actually listening to people. I mean, there's a lot of, I hope that doesn't happen on this show, but I've seen a lot of interview shows where you can see it in their eyes where they're just waiting to talk about the next question. They're not listening to what like Alicia is saying, or they're not listening. They have their list of questions and they're just, you know, and hopefully you guys know, I will go on rabbit trails all day um, trying to, to go deeper into side of some questions and things that I find interesting. But uh, so storytelling, I think is super important with that empathy. And are there any resources, Alicia, that you, can point people to that will help them in this because some people may have not grown up with, you know, like you said, this bodybuilding bro, it's okay to show your emotion or, or is there some places that you can point them like to learn how to tell a story empathetically? Um, so, I mean like a story brand. Yeah. I mean, that's a great one. Yeah. 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 Uh, so this is a, something that a lot of people get wrong is they think that they need to sell themselves and talk about how amazing they are and how many qualifications and awards they have and blah, blah, blah. And you're not the hero. <laughs> right. You're not Luke. You're Yoda. You, you want to talk about how you made someone else the hero. 
how they're the hero. And it's the same thing in your sales process and it's the same thing in your marketing process. It's like, stop talking about yourself and start talking about the other person and how you give them the space and guidance to achieve what, like that they're capable of so much more and you can help them get there. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. What I'm hearing from that is that I'm the Yoda to Jeff's Luke. That's what I just heard. Yeah, and you're more of the Princess Leia type, but that's okay. <laughs> okay, yeah, I don't know Chad Chad Illa Peterson. Yeah, he's great. Yes, um, he's he's been on the show before. He is amazing at storytelling. Is uh, yeah. So so something like that. So so what about some examples? Do you have any like concrete social media campaign examples that are really good at kind of showing that? I guess, non-traditional sales methods that, that we're talking about. Do you have any examples you can think of off the top of your head? Putting you on the spot a little bit. You're really putting me on the spot. Um, <laughs> I don't know a storytelling example, but I can tell you a total black sheep social media example yeah, that is oh, radically perfect. different yeah, Absolutely. on social media. Her name is Eleanor Strong, and she is primarily on Facebook, and um, she talks a lot about how the mainstream way of marketing is just like selling a vague result. And we hear it all the time, right? 10K months, like 10 pounds. Mm -hmm. And you're like, yeah, it sounds like bullshit, right? So um, she's like, break down the details of your methodology compared to somebody else's methodology. Like you are basically giving an aha moment by extensively explaining your like concrete concrete examples and details so like if i were to talk about pitch weaving like i just did basically you know like here's what it usually is and why it doesn't work people's guards are up they're skeptical do it this way it feels more authentic if you want help with that here i am so it's it's just in the form of a post so it's it's very different because most people say don't give away the how um and because then they'll go and do it themselves. But here's the thing. If somebody's going to go do it themselves and get a result, that's freaking great. They're going to tell yeah. everybody else how they got a result with your stuff. And if they're your client, they'll think, damn, I got a result from that. What if I paid that person? Mm. What kind of result would I get then? And that's the person you want. The person who was going to read your free stuff and do it was never going to pay you anyway. So there's a difference between a DIYer, but they can be a fantastic fan who spreads everything around. And so like this fear of not sharing your how is, is pretty misguided. And I love the way that she, because then you can tell someone is an expert by how they're explaining what they do. You're like, oh, this person is not full of shit, right? Um, I will say that you don't want to overeducate in sales conversations. So I think it's important to point that out. I don't want anybody thinking that they need a, a lot of times they'll be like, I gave them all this info. And so they went and did it themselves. And it's like, no, you probably just overwhelmed them and they were confused. Hmm. So it's a, it, you don't want to do that on a sales conversation, like detail out your how, but in social, it can make you look like you actually know what you're talking about. Mm, that's a really great point. So on that, on that note, for becoming a non, you know, doing it non icky way on social. Can you talk a little bit about the rise of video content and, you know, like what we're doing here and um, platforms like Instagram reels or TikTok? A lot of those I've seen because you have, especially with the short form content like Instagram reels or TikTok to not be pushy, because I think a lot of people say I've only got, you know, under a minute or whatever to, to sell them. I have got to, you know, sell it hard and push it through. What do you tell people 
uh, and, and customers and clients when they start using Instagram reels and, and TikTok on social for sales? Yeah. I mean, you, I would not try to sell someone on something in a minute. You want to give them an aha or sell them on a step that comes long before the sale. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to sell your thing, like this is a problem that, that happens with a lot of people. Like you typically need to educate or address misconceptions before they ever get in the sales conversation with you. Because if you're trying to educate and sell at the same time, it's too much, it's too much for a sales conversation. Then the person says, I got to go process this. You know, I'll come back. Let me think about it. Maybe later, whatever. So in your videos, you really just want to kind of provide an aha. Like this is a misconception. This is something that makes a difference and, you know, have some other step that's a lot lower pressure. And I'm not like necessarily, Katie is, is the social media expert on this. And she does a really great job of, you know, really like, honestly, a sale can be follow me. A a sale can be like, Mm -hmm. stay tuned for the next post. Like, you know, I wouldn't sell your stuff. Yeah. Got it. And I think what's, I see a lot of people are trying to do that. They're like, okay, I've got some sort of a following now I'm going to sell. And it gets, it turns in it, you lose followers and all sorts of bad things uh, can happen. And so Ian says, I don't think that short form video content is where you do the selling. It's where you find your perfect client. That is very, very a uh, good point there. Ian, he also has a question and I think we should on we'll kind of end up this, this section on this. He goes, do you have any advice on how we approach conversations with potential clients when they start asking us about our fees? Because that's yeah. scary for a lot of people. Yeah. So I don't really, um, if you're going to talk about your investment levels, then you definitely want to um, position it with the result that they're going to get. So for example, I have a podcast production agency that I work with and they're like, yeah, we tell them that for the jumpstart package is $20,000. Oh. And I'm like, okay, well that sounds bad. So instead you would say, for the entire strategy mapped out for your first episode, for your tone of voice, for all of your equipment, for your scripts, it's 20,000. And you can take that and like implement it immediately for results in whatever amount of time. So as long as you're able to, you know, tie it to the result they're getting, it, it, it can avoid that um, tendency for somebody to just, price shop and say, oh, okay, well, your jumpstart package is 20,000 and their jumpstart package is 10,000. But it's like, well, what is included? In, like what is, result is that jumpstart package getting compared to the result that this jumpstart package is getting and like what's included with that. So um, a lot of times also it's like, I have different levels and I'd really want to like understand what's going on, but here's the range. And is that realistic for you? Um, and like, what are you looking at? So again, coming from that place of curiosity, a lot of people say, whenever you say the investment to just be silent and it's like awkward, have y'all heard that advice? Yeah. 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 It's so awkward. And the reason they say to do that is because you need to stop talking because you'll unsell people. And it's true. You do need to stop talking, but 
what an awkward way to go about it. Instead, just ask them, is that investment realistic for you? Because you'll be able to stop talking because you just asked a question and you want to know the answer and you'll be able to have a conversation about it. And they'll say, well, you know, I was looking at this other place that happened, but well, what was included with that? Like, let's talk about that. Did it include this many years of experience? Does that make a difference for you? Does You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, everybody is, is Gary is saying, geez, I've been undercharging. Yeah. <laughs> For the $50,000 podcast package or whatever. Um, <laughs> one of, and, and I love, I, and I really like how you talk about, it's not a price, it's an investment. That is really, really key. I think that's a lot of people are taking that away from this show. Um, one of the things that I want to kind of go into in our final section, man, this has flown by. Um, but um, I want to talk about some building a personal brand that actually sells. And one of the things that a lot of people are saying, you know, Alicia uh, uh, bars uh, her LinkedIn is amazing. You got to check it out, check out her LinkedIn. And I want to talk about using a, you know, a way to strengthen your personal brand with the aim of improving sales. Cause I look at your LinkedIn and I'm like, she provides tons of value, but she also does the pitch weaving all through her content and does a really great job with that. So what are some strategies that you recommend for people who want to build their personal brand? Cause it's, I, I, I with Mark Schaefer, I agree. Your personal brand is very, very important. How can yeah. you do that? But also just not build it for building it with followers sake, but actually improve your sales. Yeah. I mean, you really want to think of your target audience. So again, like it's about fitting, right? So mm-hmm. who's not a fit and who is a fit? One of the things that a lot of people get wrong is they give tips but you're naturally targeting a DIY person when you give tips. Like this is somebody, you're attracting somebody who's like, oh great, I won't implement all this stuff. That's not usually somebody who's gonna pay you. Instead, you wanna share things that are gonna exemplify where the person you want is at. So like you are having sales conversations and for some reason they take five months to close or they're saying like, let me think about it or maybe, or you're like, having a never ending follow up, whatever you want to describe the symptoms of it. Right. So I think that knowing that fit and not fit makes a huge difference in you being able to plant a flag. And people are always so scared of planting a flag because they're going to exclude people. Like I had somebody come on my profile and say like, can you post content without swearing? And I was like, "Mm, I would just mute me. (laughs) Go find someone who doesn't swear like you deserve that. Like, you know, go find your people. And it's okay that I'm not that person. Like, I'm not going to change myself for a random person on the Internet. And so I think you can be like people are so scared. And when they get a little piece of feedback like that, they're like, oh, God, I guess I need to be more professional and stuff. If it's a fit, it's a fact. Yes. So it's like letting yourself be authentically you. And, and I know that that word is overplayed. Um, but like the little things that make you, I don't know, like one of my clients loves dollhouses, like tiny miniature dollhouses. Like that's weird as shit. And it helps people. It makes her more human. Right. And, um, like when you're showing up in this way, I do sketch comedy, which is kind of weird and unexpected, but, it, it allows people to maybe show up and do whatever is quote unquote weird about them too, which is always more interesting than this generic stuff. So it, it's really, 
it's not something where I can just say like a quick line and it's like a trick that everyone can implement because it's been an evolution to get to this point for sure. Especially all the people watching. I just had to realize that like the right people are the ones I want to be with anyway. Like if you don't like me, then like, that's cool. Don't come near me because I probably don't like you. Like, (laughs) so, okay. I got to go sketch comedy. You do sketch (laughs) comedy. I did not see that anywhere. So how do you blend your quirky fun hobbies with your your sale and by the way do you know uh andrea vall because she's in the denver area and she does stand-up comedy no but oh, I, you need to, know I need that. to introduce you you need to have yeah. yeah she's great so she does facebook stuff um but anyway how do you how do you marry those two together like do you share your sketch comedy stuff on your profile or not i mean well, how does I need that work to do, i need to do more sales sketches okay <laughs> Because there's a there's a way to blend everything and there's always a metaphor. So one of the things I've been doing a lot lately is like, I'm a mom with two tiny, like young kids. Right. So there's tons of metaphors to share in that. And also, I'm not always talking about sales. So like recently my daughter was being really insistent that I needed to put up Christmas decorations in November. And I was like, no, that's going to be a no for me. But she threw a tantrum and I was like, all right, fine. But I was like really resentful about it. Right. And so I'm carrying the fake tree and the base, it disconnects and slams down on my toe on a tile floor. It was terribly painful. And I was like, Oh, like I made it. I, I was, I snapped at her and I was like, my toes broken all because you were like, hey, we have to put Christmas decorations up now. And I saw her believe me and cry. Mm. And I was like, oh my God. Okay, wait, come here. I got a secret. Yeah, you did throw a tantrum, but I chose to say yes. And I didn't have to. Right. That's on me. And I want to communicate that it's important to own your decisions. You can't blame other people. That's not about sales, but it's something that I'm passionate about. And I want to, it, it shares to your point, personal brand, like my philosophy for being a human mm. basically, and hopefully gives people some different way of thinking about their own lives. So I forget why I feel like I didn't listen well and didn't give a good answer there. Was that a good answer? No, that was great. It was sure. I mean, it doesn't always have to be about sales. It can also just be about letting people know about you, which is probably the long play with sales. Like because they know about you and know your parenting style and all that stuff and that you're funny, that they want to work with you. I'm hoping that's what happens to me. They're like, okay, this this guy's weird like me. I want to do business with him. Um, this is Ian's question. This is a great, uh, he goes, I, I want to blend my professional singing background info to what I do more, but sometimes I feel like it's part of me is irrelevant. Ian, that is not true. You have done some, your Christmas Carol things you do online, all the stuff that you do with, with your podcast. So I think people love that about you. Um, and he also says humor is a fantastic way to teach. That's what I believe as well. Thank you, Ian, for that. Yeah, but, it's, it's so um, memorable. Right. It's all about standing out and being memorable and you can make up songs about what you do. Mm -hmm. Oh, he does. They're great. And I I don't know why he's, he's, I think that, you know, it's, it's great. So thank you, Katie. Everyone wants more to have more beer time. Okay, man, we are getting close to time. I know Connor, you have one more question. Let's, let's get that one. So along those lines, you know, 
how do you think solopreneurs, small business owners can leverage their unique stories so that they're not always coming off as super, super salesy? You know, I know on your page, on, on, on your, your website, you have so many great testimonials from clients that you work with and that's awesome. And, and you can share success stories, but you can also share your own personal success stories. But what are the best ways to leverage those to enhance your selling without being icky? Yeah. I mean, I think, so sometimes when I work with a client, we'll talk about the best client examples that they have and tie them to specific challenges that mm. their ideal client has. So that when their ideal client brings up this challenge, they can reference this story. So you can kind of categorize them, honestly. Um, it's tough because some of the questions y'all are asking about personal brand and what makes you different and stories, like you just need to hire someone. Like it's not your area of expertise. You're great at what you do. Just have somebody pull it out of your brain and put it on paper. There's a lot of people that are full of it. So you want to make sure it's someone who actually customizes it to you and is like doing it in a way you want. But that's, it's, it's tough. It is, I don't want to make it seem like it's not a difficult thing for someone to figure out how to do with themselves. Mm -hmm. There's so much emotion and fear and strategy tied into really displaying yourself authentically and in a way that isn't like you rambling on and on about something and losing people. Right. right. <laughs> you know, so it's like, yeah, sometimes you just need to like, well, speaking of that note, let's, that was a great pitch weave, by the way. Uh, let's talk about you, Alicia, and what you've got. I want, to, I want you to tell people where they can find your podcast, for one thing, because it's an amazing podcast, gives tons of great advice. I've really been enjoying doing a deep dive into that. But also, where they can find you, your services, what you got going on. This is, this is, this is no pitch weave. It's actually your time to pitch. So go ahead and tell people where they can find you. Well, I actually wasn't trying to pitch weave. No, it was, so it was great. It was great. It's pitch weaving. It's great. Well, I guess it naturally happened, but I really meant that. I just don't like sometimes anyway. So um, my sales podcast is called Sales is Not a Dirty Word. So the solo episodes are going to be my sales methodology. I would definitely listen to how to sell like a natural and that lays the foundation for my approach and how it's really different. And if that resonates with you, you can listen to the rest of the solo episodes. I have had people in the last week Multiple people tell me that they have increased, double, tripled their sales from just my podcast. And they've even left me LinkedIn recommendations about it, which is really freaking right. awesome. That's cool. So, um, and then there's also the interviews, which are about everything except sales. So I only interview black sheep and I'm very intentional about who I bring on and I want them to be of value to my listeners um, and have like a different angle on business or life or mindset or whatever. Um and then what I do is I am different in the way that I customize everything to my clients. So I understand you and your offer inside and out and your audience and your personality. And I pull everything out of your brain, your differentiators. And like my God-given superpower talent is I hear a bunch of paragraphs and I make them into one sentence that is concise and compelling. So um, I create a custom sales framework, not a word-for-word -word script that is going to guide someone, the, the words to say, the questions to ask, you know, like ways to explain what you do that you can be proud of. It's a very coll collaborative process. Like I don't tell you to say anything that you don't wanna say because why would you say, I, if you don't feel confident about it, the other person is gonna feel that. And so there's a million ways to say something. There's no reason to say it in a way 
that you wouldn't like. Like if you don't say the word inspiring, let's not say inspiring. So anyway, and then there's a program that really um, like a weekly call where you really dial in these softer skills like pitch weaving and authoritative empathy and dealing with objections with curiosity instead of overcoming them. Uh, and at, by the end of it, you have something, by the end of six months, you have something that predictably converts up to 80% of your leads. And you're only talking to people that are ideal clients. Thank you for having me. Social Media News Live.